Hey fellow fraud fighters, a big welcome to the Seon Cat and Mouse Show, where we'll look to get into the mindset, thinking and learnings of the hardest working group of heroes we know, the fraud fighting professional. And on alternative shows, we'll dive into the opposite world of current or ex-fraudsters to get a real insight into what's driving them to do what they do. And ultimately, we'll be trying to best work out who's the real cat and mouse here. So welcome everyone to the Seon Cat and Mouse podcast. Uh, today we've got a really special guest. Uh, we're lucky enough to have Arvis uh, Strods, the chief risk officer at RoboCash Group, which is the mother holding of RoboCash, the fastest growing P2P platform. What you can see publicly on RoboCash is the investment yield is, is very public and transparent and it's, it's terrific. My understanding is the traction has been excellent. But Arvis, uh, welcome to uh, the podcast. Very, very happy to have you. Hello, happy to hear, be here as well. <laughs> Great. Arvis, um, so, so maybe to set the scene for the audience, uh, for those who haven't uh, come across uh, RoboCrash as a brand, um, are you able to just share in a, in a sentence or two what it is you guys do and what you're about? Well, actually, we are doing uh, many things. Currently, our main focus is uh, uh, consumer lending, uh, payday, payday lending. Uh, we are. We also have an investment platform that we let further invest into different uh, payday products uh, across uh, eight countries already. We are growing fast. Uh, we are uh, showing nice, good business results, and uh, in general, we have a lot of a lot of plans also for further expansions in all the markets where we are. Uh, we are always trying to be uh, in top three if not top one. Brilliant. Thanks, Arvis. Um, maybe diving back in. So you're now Chief Risk Officer uh, for RoboCash. But previous in your career, one of the interest areas uh, when we spoke before was how um, your background, you've worked across a number of different domains, banking, even gaming, and of course, financial service as well. But it's, it's really cool because you really did start at uh, the operational level, right? And just through the years, you've You've climbed very steadily in your own career and responsibilities. Do you, do you want to share maybe just a just a, a quick one? Uh, uh, also, the different spaces you've worked in your uh, past as well. I started to work with fraud in G Money Latvia, it was a daughter company of General Electric. Uh, when they first came to to Baltics, uh, they opened uh, G G Money. When I was offered first this uh, work in fraud, I I was actually Googling up what this fraud means because I, I never knew, I, I, I haven't ever even heard such a, such a word before. And, uh, and, then I, and then I was just replying, you know, guys, I don't know anything about this, but if you give me a you know, chance to learn, I, I'm okay. <laughs> and, and, and I said, okay. And uh, that's, how I, that's how I entered this uh, fraud, uh, fraud management, fraud risk management uh, path. And um, I spent uh, seven years, seven years in uh, G Money. We acquired uh, a bank in Latvia, and then I worked also for the bank. Uh, later, uh, there was a financial crisis of 2008, so uh, I had to, I had a choice to either go uh, away from Latvia with G somewhere else, or find something within the Latvia. So uh, I found uh, another company uh, that uh, uh, was doing uh, e-wallet type of uh, business and they were in need for a risk manager which actually turned out to be a fraud risk manager so i worked three years there for the e-wallet and uh, then very shortly for a, 
Evolution Gaming uh, company. And after that, I returned to, let's say, uh, FinTech to for finance, uh, one and a half year in uh, managing fraud risk for, for finance. And, uh, and then I moved to Robocash, where uh, I rather quickly uh, got promoted a few times and now I'm CRO there. Arvis, I love the honesty. Uh, you know, all those years back, uh, when you had to Google up what fraud meant, <laughs> what was the responsibility? Um, I, I'm really curious. Um, so the role obviously has bounced from one sector to another sector. How did your own understanding and, and maybe sophistication of fraud, how did that kind of change as you went from one sector to another? Or, or did you find that actually you were bringing kind of similar frameworks? once you had gained an experience? What, what was that like? Uh, I would say that uh, in general, the approach uh, to fight fraud is uh, always very uh, similar in a way that uh, they are trying to trick you and you are trying to find a way to, 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 to kind of beat them or, uh, or to react to them. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's the same approach everywhere. But uh, of course, the fraud, uh, fraud risk in itself is different. Uh, and, uh, the biggest difference, I think, was for e-wallet uh, when compared to lending, because in lending, uh, you are trying to protect whom you lend. So you're trying to, so you are giving out the money, whereas in e-wallet, the money comes in and it may come from stolen cards or, or, or stolen bank accounts and so on. And this is, you are kind of protecting and trying for this uh, bad money not to come in. <laughs> and so it's, it's uh, this is the biggest let's say difference but uh other than that uh, the approach is the like uh, focus on verification on uh, on different kind of anomaly detection this is uh, similar everywhere in fraud i would say as an executive in the risk management maybe let's start with the nuts and bolts what what does that um what, what can you share with the audience what does a, a typical day look. I, I think for a lot of audience, they'll find it insightful. They are often at operational level or their team leader uh, or head of kind of level. Now that you're at the executive level, it'd be great to hear what uh, your day-to-day -day looks like, Arvis, in this uh, in this kind of pandemic-like world. Uh, how, how does it look? Well, my children, actually, um, you know, uh, now we are working uh, distantly, so remotely from, uh, from home mainly. And uh, I know when my children are asked, like, what's your daddy doing? And they are saying just, he's like speaking on Skype. <laughs> like, he's, <laughs> basically, he's just talking. You know? And uh, that's, uh, that's actually how, how my typical day uh, looks. It's, uh, it's different, uh, different meetings, uh, different calls, uh, trying to arrange for some of my plans to happen and uh, trying to help other people to, you know, get their plans done. And, uh, their vision, and uh, and this is uh, a lot about cooperation, a lot about uh, both arguing and agreeing on uh, how to move forward. Forward. So, a lot of this is actually communication. The other other part is uh, when I have a time, <laughs> free time on my calendar. Other time is just, and this is uh, one of the best you know career advices that I have ever ever received. And it's uh, basically that whatever happens. Uh, you should always find the time to take one step back and just think uh, and just uh, think about, uh, you know, how you could add more value, how your team could add more value, how, 
how you could add more value to the company, and also you could think how you could add more value to yourself, and and all all all, all this uh, for this uh, and and this uh, pause in what you are doing is is really really very 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 important for everyone. I would say you need to put those tasks aside for a bit and just you know find the time for yourself to think. This is the career advice that might work for everyone because this is very universal. You might be a different type of personality. You might have different strengths and weaknesses. But if you will give yourself a time to step back and think, uh, you will you will grow. It's so timely because I think we've all found our minutes are being eaten up by Zoom calls. And uh, if we're not careful, we don't have any breathing space, right, uh, to actually think. Uh, so that's really timely. And like you said, I like it because it's not actually, you know, rel- it's not just for risk professionals, of course. This is, yeah. uh, I think, good reminder in these times. D- do you feel as you move from, say, an individual contributor to perhaps responsible for a team to responsible for a department and then the owner of uh, you know, a critical function for a whole business, for a fintech business, how do you perceive the, the kind of responsibility for risk? How does that risk change? Does it just become a bigger and bigger uh, kind of item? Like, how, how do you think about that as you move from individual contributor to exec? I think it's uh, the philosophy that changes. I would say there are all different levels of in which you could think. At the beginning, you are just thinking, okay, I have my work and I need to do it good. So I just focus on doing my job well or doing well what someone else has told me to do. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, that's that's uh, that's at one level, and uh, there are people who just stay on that level for entire careers, and that's also fine. Uh, but uh, then you start to think. First thing is how you could do your job better. That's uh, already next level where you believe where you are starting to think how to do your job better. Next uh, level is how is what I do related to what company does. You align your priorities with the company priorities, and that's even one higher, one step higher where you are already kind of ready to be a team lead or, or something where you're already thinking about how to go the same way the company goes, but doing your, your part. And then there comes another level, which is where you think, what is the best for the company? Uh, maybe not even uh, in the sense, what is the best for risks or not always, but for the whole company. And uh, I think that's, uh, that's a level where you, when you start to think like that, it's just a matter of time before you get uh, get uh, promoted uh, higher and higher. So to that point, um, how do you, within conflicting departments' interest, so risk management sometimes can be seen as, uh, say, the opposite of the commercial uh, division, right? Because it's, oh, it it's about balancing. It <laughs> uh, any, any tips for how you balance those two um, objectives together? Actually, uh, I would I would start probably this answer from a very interesting observation that I'm uh, having uh, in the Robocash uh, group that uh, we have managed to build a very good relationship between risks and uh, marketing uh, in the sense that uh, probably we have found a common ground, so to, so to speak, and that's the increase of profit for the company. And we are just, you know, each having our own tools uh, to achieve that goal. They are looking somewhat, you know, how to issue more. And we are looking somewhat at how to issue to the better uh, customers. And of course, they conflict. It's just uh, communication. It's uh, 
giving arguments and it's also understanding the other parties real but you know <laughs> when you work for fraud you learn to understand fraudster motivation and then you have higher chances to actually get your things let's say protect the company and so on and this uh, this lesson from fraud i'm currently using also in in, in this kind of thing you, you try to understand what's the motivation of the marketing right they want to sell more how can they achieve it and it's not only sometimes the things that we do in risks they actually increase sales in a sense if you if you have better quality they the customers will return if they return better you will have high, uh, bigger book so it's also interesting for them to have good quality and and in this way you, you just find what is their motivation and you just uh, put your arguments with that in mind and then you can reach the common ground and you can like move in, into one let's say uh, direction as a company because the, it's very dynamic business, very profit-oriented businesses, so there is a common ground. In your experience, Arvis, um, what, what would you say is perhaps a, a hard lesson you've learned fighting fraud? I think one of, the, one of the toughest things that every fraud manager will find out at some point of his career is that you can never beat fraud. And <laughs> that uh, whatever you do, as long as you keep the company going, there will be some fraud also getting through. They are always uh, finding new ways, new kind of options for them to go through. And, um, and you will always be kind of one step uh, behind. How it, how it turns out in the end is that you settle for, okay, at least I will prevent the not so smart frauds. <laughs> or at least I will prevent the mass fraud attacks. And, uh, and then you are just focusing on what you actually can prevent. And you are kind of, okay, some of them will slip through. And you just have to live with that. One of the things that you should always keep in mind that those are two different types of risk, credit risk and fraud. And you should not, for example, uh, lower your fraud controls for people who are better on credit risk. It might sound, uh, sound logic, but the truth is you can always lower fraud controls for people who have lower fraud risk based on fraud models, but you cannot lower your fraud controls for uh, people based on credit risk models. So that's, uh, that's one, one lesson that I learned actually quite, uh, quite hard. I would have not thought of that as well. So it's, a, <laughs> it's interesting to share that. I would have thought the better the customer, you maybe can lower that gate, but interesting to hear that's not what you want to do. No, that's uh, that's what we, I, I used to do, but uh, we had one uh, fraud attack where <laughs> now I now I see that this is not the way. Like because uh, for for better credit risk customers, you give them better offers, but the fraud controls uh, should be there, and fraud controls should rather depend on the fraud risk, not on the credit risk. That's very interesting because we do see this um, almost paradigm in other scenarios. So for onboarding risk in general like yeah. in other financial services, right? If you know they're a good customer, then uh, you try and remove friction. So, you know, yeah. use of any fraud tech or in-house or outhouse, uh, you try and make it even easier for that person. But really interesting to hear, this is a lesson you've learned, but talking about credit risk and fraud risk and decoupling the two together. Yeah, that this, uh, yeah but this, this is like, if you can find a segment of customers that are good because of lower fraud risk, of course, you want to remove the friction, right? If you have some uh, models that are based on whatever anomalies or, or 
for different data sources uh, and so on, including Xeon. <laughs> and and then and then you can uh, can find the segment that has a lower fraud risk. And for these segments, yes, you may decrease the friction. You may put them, you know, in, but not for the crisis because the fraudsters they actually target personal data of customers who have good credit. So uh, if you are removing friction for them, uh, well, <laughs> then, then, then they got what they wanted, right? <laughs> Excellent point. So you know our podcast is the Seon Cat and Mouse podcast. And I might have a w- little hint to what you might say. And we always ask our guests, uh, in the world of fraud fighter like yourself and the world of fraudster, um, who, who do you consider the cat and who do you consider the mouse and why, Arvis? Oh, I know you've written this question, and I know I had I knew I had to answer it to this, but uh, it's it's hard to say. It's really, 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 really tough to say. Um, sometimes I feel like a mouse, actually, and uh, sometimes I feel like a cat. It's uh, it depends on a, on a, on a different on a different situation. So hard to say. I, I'm more like uh, uh, someone who is trying to put out those mouse traps and hope that uh, mouse gets there and uh, somehow try to not at- arrive at a situation where, you know, I recently looked this, uh, watched, re-watched this uh, mask movie, you know, with Jim Carrey. And uh, there is one point where he's just so runs out of the park and then he bolts the doors from everywhere. Like, and then he just turns around and all the police are around him like, they didn't go through that door, which he was, you know, uh, locking and <laughs> and then and closing. And uh, so, so I would uh, see myself more like uh, that guy. But uh, hopefully, you know, the the locks on doors that I put, they they work on the right direction, or at least partially, <laughs> because you can never, you can never, you know, hundred percent. It's it's very tricky for in a finance industry to have hundred percent fraud protection, but. But we'll, we're trying. Uh, we are trying, and, uh, and 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 we are improving. Like every every month, every year, to to get that. Almost, I think the words were uh, b- being uh, having good enough expectations that a step behind fraudsters as well, and uh, and it's something we hear yeah. as a recurring theme as well. I think it's knowing there's no perfect system. Of course, there isn't. Um, yeah, but- that's true. That is unfortunately true. Arvis, that's been a really interesting chat. Um, I want to thank you again uh, for your time. And uh, yeah, we we really love working with you guys. Uh, Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you too. And same could be said to you as well. So thanks for the good work. Thanks for the chat. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's show. At Seon, our whole startup is 100% focused on helping you, the hardworking fraud manager, fight fraud with tools that are intuitive and fully complement your existing risk tech stack. Check out our website where you can get started on a free trial and be up and running in 30 seconds or less.